A one, a two. A one, two, three, four. T to G to I to F to A. T to G to I to F to Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first Friday. Hello, everybody. I am Brother Luke Rowicki. And I'm Brother Andrew Tory. And welcome to this July episode of TGIF. F. So we're recording this a couple days early. That's right, because on Wednesday, where are you going, Brother Luke? I'm off to Monterrey. So by the time <gasps> you hear this episode, I'll already be in northern Mexico with my new community of Legionaries of Christ, because Brother Andrew and I have both finished exams. I know. Thanks be to God. I'm a couple years ahead of Brother Andrew because he took the... Long route. The less traveled <laughs> route of getting a master's in philosophy before beginning theology. So when I got back... We came back together, both from Washington. We landed in Rome yep. three years ago now. I got right to theology, which is a three-year program to get your bachelor's. Yep. And so I'm finishing now. I just finished. And then Brother Andrew. I did two extra years uh, for philosophy. I like philosophy. I like studying. And and I just did my first year of theology, right? So two years of philosophy and one year of theology. And now I'm still studying theology. So you're going to be starting a second year of the three years. But it's a beautiful journey that he's going to love. Yeah, and he's going to get more out of it because he has more philosophical background. They say that phil- philosophy is the stepping stone to theology. There you go. The handmaiden of theology. That's <laughs> what I was thinking. <laughs> and Chile. That's right. Famous w- Latin word. So uh, with that being said, we're pumped. So you might notice like we're a little bit more relieved because then we're studying for exams. I know. More classes. Yeah, folks, it was four weeks of exams, okay? And in Rome, we don't do AC, okay? Though, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, being objective, it wasn't it wasn't too hot during exams. I think maybe like yeah. the last two weeks, it got a little it's warm. It's got a little, yeah, it's heated up. Yeah. And that's probably a similar story to most of you because hopefully you guys are out of school or you're taking a break from work for some vacations and it's probably a little hot where you are as well. Right. So all of us finding us in these in the situation of a little bit of break from the routine, brother Andrew and I and at, here at TJFF want to recommend what we have done to prepare this episode, which is to distill my soul—not just a beautiful harmony we prepare, but also <laughs> to distill the soul. What would that be, brother Andrew? What does that mean? Well, to distill your soul. Like, it's a perfect chance. This summer is the moment to do it. You have to. You have to. We have to distill our souls, and to do that, first you got to go back to the original lyrics, right, Brother Luke? So, the name of the song is "Be Still, My Soul," right? Oops. So we changed it to distill. distill. Okay, so not like distill, like like d meaning like don't do that thing. Yeah, like defense. Right. No, not at that. Don't be offense, yeah. folks. Okay. The point is, is that <laughs> to distill something, um, you purify it you sift through it you take out all the elements that are like additives all the extra stuff all the stuff that doesn't belong and you like you like shake it up you you whoosh it around and you get to the, like the pure stuff like, and the purification isn't it doesn't make it boring by taking your additives it, you get make it rich it's yeah. the the fullness of a good whiskey that has been distilled yes. if not there's junk floating around in it i don't really i'm not an expert but yeah. Like they imagine there's all these other things that will take away from the richness of a good whiskey. But when you purified it by heating it up and letting it cool down all those things, then you get to that yeah. tastiness, that deliciousness that relaxes you, that Yeah. That's what everybody's after. And and also like think about like there's a there's a rate there's a really good um analogy with something that's uh to to see something you need to be still, right? You can't be like agitated, you can't be like, you know, moving around you got to be still so like you you throw 
um, like a huge rock into the into the into a lake, right? Well, you're not going to be able to see anything at the bottom because all the waves are going to be moving around. You know, the the rock's going to hit the mud, and the mud's going to cause all the the it's going to get all around in the in the water, and you can't see it. It's not going to be clear, and you're not going to be able to see anything. So you have to wait until everything like settles down, yes, calms down. Um, wait for the wind to stop causing the waves, and then you can see clearly. And so now that we're getting into summer, that's the time where we want to do this distilling. Yes, and Brother Andrew and I, as Legionaries of Christ, we always do a retreat at the end of the year or kind of before starting the new year, an eight-day silent retreat, which I know we've talked about on previous episodes, Mm -hmm. but that's called the Spiritual Exercises. And that basically that is the, uh, the objective is to Go away for a little bit. You disconnect from your phone and from all the, and uh, work and any other commitments you might have to spend eight days of silence with God. And the reason is is for that reason, that when the waves have calmed, you can see clearly. And so we what we want to do is see clearly all the gifts and the lessons we've learned this year. Right, and which is exactly what this whole podcast is about, right? We've said this phrase every now... What, what's our phrase, Brother Luke? The Dunque Hermeneutic. Okay. We don't just do. We dunque. Where there's a what? There's a why. Okay? That is a dunque hermeneutic in a nutshell. And so dunque, like we've said before, in Italian, it means like, and so, or therefore, or and, like, what's the point? Okay. And a, dot, herme- dot, dot. And a hermeneutic is just a fancy word because it sounds really cool to say it on a podcast. It makes <laughs> us sound smart. <laughs> we'll admit it. And it means like... um. Uh, let me see if I can remember. Oh, it means like it means interpretation, like an an, yes. an, an interpretive key. Like it's so like so you go to like you look at a book, for instance, and you're like, um, let's say it's let's say it's the Bible, and let's say you look at the whole New Testament like from the perspective of mercy, mm-hmm. and so like you go through the Bible and you're like, oh, this is a passage where Jesus was merciful, or yeah, mercy, mercy here, or you could say like, oh no, I don't want to look at it from mercy, I want to look at it from forgiveness. So like, oh, Jesus forgave here, or this guy didn't forgive. And or look the how- kingdom, or exactly calling, vocational calling. There's all these different lenses you can put on to then learn more and get more out of that Bible passage. Exactly. And the what we're proposing is that sort of interpretive key, that hermeneutic, but not for a book, but for our lives. Yes. And how do we do that, Brother Luke? So otherwise, if you don't do this, you kind of just, life passes us by. And we live from one moment to the next, one event, one exciting, thrilling moment to the next, or boring, frustrating, whatever. But we don't grow. And so what we, we want to grow by looking back and taking these moments to reflect. And so especially on this episode, to ask, okay, therefore, after all we've gone through this year with coronavirus or us mm-hmm. specifically here in Rome with mm-hmm. our studies. Yeah, you finishing your theology. Finishing theology. Uh, how am I different than I was three years ago when I began theology. And there's small differences. I'm still the same me. Yep. <laughs> um, but that's actually one of the lessons I wanted to talk about. So I think we can just dive right into it. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to go through a couple of lessons that we, um, yeah, just in our through our prayer and things we've kind of seen that, okay, maybe God was trying to tell me this and then how he's done it. Because it's also important when you do the Dunque Hermeneutic isn't abstract. Yeah, it's so really these, concrete. These begin from a concrete experience or something I read, something I heard, a conversation I had. Uh, I was let down. I was um, pumped up by mm-hmm. something. And then from that, you say, okay, well, what, did I, what can I learn from that? Or how have I grown from that experience? Yeah, and the whole point of this is to help you guys to, to do that yourselves. Because um, the more self-reflective we are, 
with, with God and with Jesus, the richer our lives are going to be. Yes. That's why we want to still my soul. So when you, I distill my soul a little bit. And one of the lessons that's really important for me. And so hopefully brother Andrew has something to say on this too. <laughs> but if not, he has another one coming is I need to learn to accept myself. And I think this year, especially preparing for diaconate and kind of feeling a little bit more the weight of my vocation on my shoulders because now it's it's time for mission. Like when you're in the seminary, you're you're it's always it's kind of seems far off. I'm gonna be a priest eventually. Yeah. I'll be um directing camps for youth, you know, in the future. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, oh my goodness, in two days I'm flying to Mexico and it begins. And you're gonna have the weight of responsibility on your shoulders. And so now like when that's been hitting me, you can imagine uh that whenever you have a responsibility given to you, it kind of weighs you down or it can make you question Am I ready? Do I have what it takes? All those things. And the answer to that question simply is no. (laughs) I don't and none of us do. Yep. And that can be really stressful if we just stay there. But uh, I think one of the concrete experiences that I um, brought me to kind of this, um, making this one of the lessons, the main lessons I've learned this year because I've had a lot, was a couple of conversations I've had even recently. So one of them, for example, uh, we had dinner with a family. a local family from Rome, and it was myself, another brother, and a priest. And the conversation was great, and we were talking about what they're gonna, their plans for the summer and all these things. And then uh, it got deeper, and they said, hey, you know, our son had a, uh, a question that he was asking us at lunch, and we weren't sure how to answer it. So, son, why don't you go ahead and ask the father and the brothers? And the question was this direct. He said, uh, is it true that the Catholic Church, Catholic Church hates gay people? And it was like that. Boom. Hmm. Okay, so I've had 12 years of studies, formation. I've heard conferences of Bishop Barron, and I've read St. Augustine, and I've, mm-hmm. yeah, like all these things. Hours and hours think, of theology Catechism, class. all these things. And, and we, we specifically have talked about this in our moral theology classes. And in the end, it's like we gave an answer. And I can briefly tell that answer, but the main kind of the reason I'm sharing this is because in the end, it's kind of like, ah, I don't know, if, was it convincing for them? Like, I know it's true, but could we explain it better? And so I can, I can find myself a lot of times kind of beating myself up. Hmm. And then that, I, that same attitude can then uh, be, projected. be projected onto the future okay. of thinking, okay, well, if I can't answer like a question like that, like that's direct and there is an answer and then like, am I pre- really prepared well for the mission that's coming and the challenge that I'm going to face as a priest and all these things. And so with this main lesson of just accepting myself, um, it came to me very strongly in over Easter when I was doing my eight day retreat that I just had mentioned that we do every each year uh, of Lord, you're familiar with all my ways. Um, it was Psalm mm-hmm. 139. Mm-hmm. And that one line hit me over and over and over again, that you're familiar with all my ways. Okay. So you call me, and you're familiar with all my ways, you know what's coming in the future, and you know who I am deep down, profoundly. Better than you know yourself. Better. Exactly. It's Which is, how can you, how can we understand that? <laughs> yeah. And, and so, like, to think, like, it, it's actually almost better and more according to truth to go out to mission, as I'm preparing to do now, uh, rather than feeling like, oh, 100% prepared, I got this, no problem. It's even better to realize I don't got this if I'm not close to Jesus, if I'm not allowing God to speak through me 
And so the answer we gave to these people, the this family, and I love the question, and I'd love to talk about the theme because it's something that so what relates to real people and all of us. We and, it's, and like it's you know Pride Month in June, and so like it's mm-hmm. the rainbow flag is all over the place. And um, what we need to distinguish first of all is the person and the tendency, and then the acts as well. The, so the person is lovable 100%. God loves them. That doesn't change the church. So that if God loves them, the church who is God's instrument on this wor- in this world, loves them. And that person, as a person, has a right to be baptized. That person, as a person, has a right to be confirmed, to receive catechism. Okay. Then there's people who have a tendency or homosexual orientation or tendency to be attracted to the same sex. That's also okay in the sense that it's a disorder or however you want to call it of um, maybe how God created male and female. But to have a tendency is not a sin. Mm-hmm. We all have tendencies uh, to things that maybe don't lead us perfectly to heaven or to God or according to what we believe in our faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's already kind of where, like, I feel like our explanation was kind of shaky with this family. And then there's the acts, which you never condemn a person, but you mm-hmm. can condemn an act. And you mm-hmm. can say that those acts are contrary to our nature, a sexual act between a man and a man or woman and a woman. And so the church cannot approve those things. And it's not that the church has this arbitrary rule that we just made up, but there's an order to how God created the world and creation. And that is revealed to us in the, in especially in Genesis, but in many other areas, St. Paul talks about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that truth we need to always know and pray and how to transmit it with charity to a person who is, who is suffering this tendency or who has rejected the church because of this teaching. Um, so yeah, that's so. What did that teach you about like, yeah, like now that you're about to go to, you're going to Mexico and you're gonna be working with young people and you know you're gonna be getting more direct questionings, like all these, like how did that? How do you think that'll? What type of attitude do you want to have like when you go out now on Wednesday, a couple of days? Yeah, it's it's happening. Uh, well, I think humility as like part of accepting yourself is being humble and saying, okay, well, I'm not God, I'm not the Savior, and that can be, I think, a tendency for Maybe any young seminarian, deacon, priest. Mm-hmm. Um, You're not that young, Brother Luke. You're older than I am. <laughs> okay, but still, I'm not 80. So You're not 80. I'll get you that. No, and Brother Luke's very young. Too white hairs. I actually, I, I actually look a lot older than Brother Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Oh, stop. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think humility. To realize that, yeah, as a young seminarian, you might, oh, yeah, I'm ready to, you know, bring Jesus to all the corners of the world and to the globe, but it's not us that do it. It's, it's Christ. It's through us. And he called the 12, the fishermen and the tax collector, all these people. And St. Paul talks about how God has not chosen the wise, but the fools. Isn't that that such a consolation? Incredible. Because it's like, it's like Jesus chose 12 uneducated fishermen from, from a remote area in Israel. And he chose one person who betrayed him, who he knew he was going to betray him. And then he chose St. Paul, who he knew was going to persecute and send Christians to their death, like St. Stephen, the first martyr. Like, these are the people that he chooses, okay? <laughs> Lord, couldn't you have found someone better? Couldn't you have, like, formed someone, like, yeah. that well, that's not his, had all the answers? His ways are not our ways. No. And so he, and so it's such a consolation. And if he, if he accepts us, and if he loves us so much as we, as we are, then we need to learn to accept ourselves. Yeah. So that's my lesson um, 
when I distill my soul. That's right. Our harmonies are on point today. They are, unlike certain past episodes. Yeah. <laughs> so we're making it up to all of you, our listeners, that whose That's eardrums right. were We went over this a couple times. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So humility. But Andrew, when you distill your soul. When I distill my soul, what do I see? Here on the air. Well, I think, yeah, back to what I said earlier. Um, one thing that I've just learned over and over again is I need I need to make time both I need to make time for silence and I need to live in a spirit of interior silence so that I can yeah so I can distill so I can let God distill my soul more and more often that way it doesn't become like just okay doing one thing and then okay now I have my moment of this thing then I do the next thing but it's like a continual continual attitude um, because I think one of the yeah the 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 highest goal of the spiritual life is to live in communion with God in our normal daily lives. That's the highest, that's the highest goal of the spiritual life, which is something very accessible to all of us. And perhaps the fact that we don't feel like we're really close to God makes us think that we're far from him, which is not the case at all. No. <laughs> which is not the case at all. The other day I was in um I was I was in spiritual direction with with uh, a really holy priest, Father his name is Father Abbott <laughs> in Spanish. Father Abad. Shout out because he's also my spiritual director. He's he's such a he's such a source of wisdom. Father like, Abbott or Abad, if you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah. And he um and I told him I said I said you know Father Abad you know sometimes I feel like I'm just like I don't am I pleasing God like am I it's like sometimes when I'm praying I feel like and I put my hands on his desk and I, my hands are really spread far apart I feel like you know God's on one side and then like I'm all the way over here and then I'm trying to get. And I want to get close to him, like, and I, my hands like slowly moving, but there's still this big distance, and like I don't feel God, and and I mean we all know that, okay, yeah, feelings, you know, we all know that feelings are not the most important thing in the spiritual life, right? But it's but when you don't, it's it's hard, right? Um, and Father Abad was like, look, okay, you just gotta look look at your, uh, you gotta you gotta distill your soul, is basically what he was telling me, you know. Did he sing it or? I, I, he said he said it with a couple harmonies. It was pretty oh. it was pretty amazing. Father Abad was. Yeah, he, that's, he does it all. That's the upper echelons of the spiritual life. Yeah. So we'll get there eventually. <laughs> but he, so he said, he was just like going over objective things and it gave me comfort. Like, he's like, you know, do you, like, you know, like you're trying to, you know, be close to your superiors and to your spiritual director, right? Which is, which is what, you know, is expected of me as a religious, right? And that would translate to people like, you know, you bet you guys back at home, you know, you know, you're trying to, to, to bring your families to mass. You're trying to, you know, make time for prayer. You're trying to make time for your spouse, right? So like like you're doing this like you're and you're you you're trying to go deep in your prayer life and you're trying to understand what where 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 God is leading you. It's like yeah, you're, you're of course you're close to him, you know. And, and that was the spiritual like, direction helps so much to be objective in our lives. Yes. Because like between feelings and what what's actual reality, you need that second opinion. That's why spiritual direction is so important. Yeah. And then like you're, like our spiritual lives are not something abstract, and that's why we can talk to a spiritual director about it. And God also, his relationship with us is not abstract. And so if we're putting in our little amount of effort, our two cents, like the mm-hmm. the widow's might in that, that beautiful lesson from the Gospels, God is pleased and God is happy and God is transforming even if we don't feel it. Yeah. But like sometimes the only thing we can sort of measure, which we shouldn't measure our spiritual life like as if it's, mm-hmm. I don't know, a, Measurable. a training for sports uh-huh. or whatever oh, okay. things. Uh-huh. Um, like, but there are certain things that we can measure. If I never pray, if I never talk to my spirit director, if I right. if I haven't gone to mass in a year, right? Say, like, oh man, I'm, I'm far from God. I wonder why. Yeah. Like, well, it's 
So maybe start there. Mm-hmm. But anyway, sorry. No, no. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, we need that objective somebody from the outside. It's so helpful, right? And even if you can't find like a spiritual director, like you talk to a friend, um, like a friend that you trust, you know, they're, you know, leading other people closer to God is not uh, is not something that only priests or, or consecrated people can do. No, definitely not. <laughs> Everybody can do that. And so obviously some people have more experience, et cetera. We're all growing in this, but but um, but if you have a good friend that can help you um, with that, that's that's great. That's somebody who God has placed in your life. Um, so yeah, I would say that m- making time, going back to what I was saying at the beginning of, of the little um, distilled lesson that I learned, um, continually going back to, you know, just living in living in interior silence with God close to my heart, and just realizing over and over again that He has to be. He is the center. He has to be the center. It's, yes. It's so. I mean, you were telling me before we started. Yeah, this kind of segues into the. I think the lesson that you were you were going to mention. But yeah, like it's it's just amazing how something that we everybody knows that we all know in our heads, like God, you know, love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. Like we all know that He's number one. He's the center. Blah, blah, blah. But it's like it's not until you like realize what it's like to put something else. Mm. in the center or maybe put somebody else or other people or ideas or whatever give more importance to those things that's it's not until you like experience what it's like for god maybe not to be in the center that you realize oh you know this this it really is true <laughs> you yeah. know it's yeah. like we know but you know it with your heart like you you feel the effects of what it's like um when god is not in the center you feel restless you feel frustrated yeah and you feel like yeah something's not Flustered. right yeah yeah. So yeah, that's that's definitely looking back at this past year, past couple years, I can see that that's definitely a lesson that I'm learning. Yeah, prayer prayer is everything. But Andrew and I definitely agree on that. Prayer is everything, and it's so easy. Like you're saying, put other things at the center. For me, I think my work or my responsibilities. That if I have a list and I just like I use reminders on my phone mm-hmm. the app oh, yeah. and just like make a list of all the things. Okay, today I need to call this person, message this person. You're so good at lists. Support. When we were in DC, you were always making a it's list. It's my curse, man. It's my <laughs> curse. But hey, it's so effective. But it is, and it like it also gives me peace. I've I know if I've written it down, and then I, I can like I don't have to be thinking of yeah, ten things at a time. It's just all there. Yeah. And then, um, but sometimes that list weighs on me, and I'm looking at it, it's like only getting longer <laughs> instead of getting shorter. And then I say, I think, well, I only have one more hour of the morning and then I need to go to lunch, whatever it's things. And so like, okay, I'm just going to get as many things as I can done that hour. And I think, no, but have I prayed the breviary and rosary and my midday prayer and all these things. And so it's being very simple to kind of just say, okay, well I'll do that after I finish. But mm-hmm. since we all know in a common experience, like we never, you never finish. Yeah. You're never done. Uh, take the time to spend with God, take a break from the work and you're going to come back with more energy. It just happens every time. And if you don't take that time, but and you do finish the work, like you somehow manage to clear your entire reminders list, mm-hmm. and you have no, no other pendings. Your inbox is empty. Totally oh. empty. And like, it feels good. Enjoy your day, right? But then you're flustered. <laughs> you're like, at least I am. It's like, I'm flustered because I didn't pray. I didn't take that time. And so even though I, I finished everything, there's something very important missing. Mm-hmm. But if I've prayed... I have like this new energy to take on the challenges and whatever is, is left pending. And also it kind of puts everything in priority because then I said, like you pray and then all of a sudden you realize, well, maybe I also should spend time with this brother because yesterday he just perfect, like renewed his vows. And so I haven't even congratulated him yet. Or maybe mm-hmm. this other person who I saw was stressed out. And all of a sudden like your world opens up. Mm-hmm. It's not about me mm-hmm. getting things done. Go, mm-hmm. go, go, go. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, I know like God could snap his fingers and all these things would be taken care of. So if he's not doing that, like as I probably shouldn't, I don't, don't need to worry about all these things being done either. Like mm-hmm. priority is him, my brothers, the people he places in my path today. And yeah, and then we need to be responsible and do what we're supposed to do. But yeah, like I, I, what you're just saying is made me think of a, of something I read this semester studying theology. Um, there's this medieval theologian. Um, his name I think is he has, a, he has a strange name. His name is I think is Hugo of Saint Victor. Yes, <laughs> I think that's him. I've heard of that guy. And he, uh, yeah, it's funny of Saint Victor. Like, what does that mean? But anyways, <laughs> but his name was Hugo, and he said that love is the faculty of seeing. Love is the faculty of seeing. What is a faculty? So a faculty is like an ability that okay. we have, like a, like, a, like a power that we have as part of our human nature. Like we have, like a, our intellect is a faculty. Like we can, we can think, we can reason, we can understand the world. Or, or, or our will is a faculty. We're able to choose, we're able to want, desire things. And so this, this author says that love is the, is the faculty, is the ability to see. And so, like, what you were just saying made me think of that because you were saying, you were describing how, you know, like, once you made time for prayer and you put God back in the center, um, you were able to notice things around you. You were able to perceive, you know, uh, ways to love more. And it allowed you to see see around you. So it's like it's like everything becomes clearer. Like, that, I guess you could say, like, that your surroundings are distilled, right? And you're able to see more clearly um yeah, the opportunities that await you for joy that are all around you, right? Um, yeah, prayer distills the soul. It does. It, it does. allows, like, things kind of fall back into their rightful place where they should be. Yeah, and I think there's so much, I don't know, but like, there's, if there's so much, at least in the newspapers, right, there's so much unrest and so much worrying, like, that's in, like, in, in the news and the media. And, and that's always sort of probably always like that. It's probably always going to be like that. But I hope it doesn't reflect, it might, but I, I hope it doesn't reflect that we're all, you know, hung up and worried and flustered and frustrated, and because that would mean that we're not taking the time to pray. Yeah, like sometimes when you get angry and like there's that vein that's about to like pop, <laughs> but you like notice someone else when they're getting angry or flustered. Yeah. I think that like when there's, you have a vein on your forehead that's about to just burst. That's probably a sign, yeah. That you need to trust God more mm-hmm. and not think like, I need to take care of all this or this is all on us or this is yeah. a disaster and like if i don't fix it then like yeah. don't do that don't do that please yeah. don't do that <laughs> that's like one of the things if i um may just like about the italian culture i mean it's just like also like a mix of living with brothers from latin america i just they, they take things a lot easier in general right they take things a lot more like no worry yeah like it's gonna be okay yeah and like I think for Americans are much more like, no, but I have to do this and this else get, has to be done. Like duty, responsibility, yeah, and have everything clear yeah. and cut. Clear and I've definitely, cut, yeah. hopefully, at least grown a little bit. And I'm looking forward to also growing more in that, like in that attitude of, yeah, just being able to relax and like mm-hmm. not feel the whole weight of the world on your shoulders as if, like my, like going back to my reminder list is the most important thing in the universe. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. It's not. It is totally not. <laughs> is it? We don't no, even, it's we, not. We right, don't even no. know. We don't it's even not. know, like if we're gonna be here tomorrow. Like who knows? Maybe we're gonna get in a car accident. and That'll be the end or something. Like we really have to take life uh, with a grain of salt. Like the things that happen to us, and the only thing that we have to do. I mean, this sounds really simplistic, but it's just so true. We have to love God with all our heart, 
our mind, our soul, and our strength, and and love our neighbor as ourselves. Okay, people that God puts in our lives. Okay, I gotta um, shameless praising my parents. So, so uh, my parents have their anniversary June twenty eighth. Oh my goodness! Okay, so thirty five years married. Um, so as we were just talking about this, like having your priorities kind of straight. I just, my parents have been such a good example of that because we've moved around a ton because of my dad's job, but at the center of my dad's life and of my mom as well, was always the family. So like my dad is very hardworking, very responsible. We'd get up, like, I think at four in the morning, mm-hmm. most days for the last 35 years. Now he's retired. Oh my gosh. And so that he could be home on time for dinner. So we'd always have family dinner together. So he could be home or like he could be present at all of our sporting events or like my sisters that did plays or things like that. Like he was always there. He always made time. And, um, and my mom, my mom as well, who is like, just like, yeah, many moms are just, they're there when you need them Mm -hmm. and they're there to help you. And if it's with your homework or if you're sick or if it's, and, um, and their love for each other. But I think too, like, I don't know. I think the family today is kind of being attacked and as well, there's like this, I don't know, exaltation of work and of people realizing themselves on these things. But like how to realize yourself, I think if it's separated from love, it's false. Mm -hmm. And love means that you're going to put others before yourself. And so in the end, like this whole thing about self-realization, if it's like just like close in on like this theory of, I have these talents, so I need to develop them and I need to work and I need to make money and provide and be self-sufficient. It's like, no, you don't like, mm-hmm. but if, but if you make love the center of your life, you make Christ the center of your life. And then that therefore love becomes the lens. And like, I love that line of mm-hmm. our friend Hugo <laughs> of like love being this ability to see, mm-hmm. you're also going to just like, you're going to see things more clearly. And you're also just going to live more clearly. And when you get to the end of your life and you're on your deathbed, you're never going to regret having loved. Yes. And also, you're never going to regret having prayed, but you might regret having spent 40, 50 years flustered, yeah. stressed about your to-do list, stressed about what your boss is going to say, stressed about yeah. what other people might think of you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes me think of St. Ignatius of Loyola, on whose feast day you're going to be ordained a deacon, right? July 31st, July 31st. 2021. And St. Ignatius, in his... Um, he, he devised a sort of uh, famous retreat, spiritual exercises, with which many of you are probably familiar, what Brother Luke and I do each year, eight days. And one of his meditations is imagining you at the end of your life. And you're at your, you're at your deathbed, you're about to be judged by God. <laughs> and it's like, how do you want to get to, that, hmm. get to that moment at the end of your life? Because that's, once you get to that point, it's like your whole life is just... It's just like, it's like right before you. It's like, this is it. Like, I, I'm done. Like, how, what did I do the last 30, 50, 80 years? Like, did I do it well? Did I, like, you're never ever going to, like, you're never going to think about those lists. You're going to think about what I love, you know? And like what you said earlier, like, I totally feel, you know, the, the desire to, yeah, we want, we, Today, we, we, we all want a, a fullness of life, a plenitude, self-realization, right? It's such a part of, especially a part of American culture, right? Um, like, you know, put give all your effort to, like, become somebody who's accomplished in many ways, right? Exactly, um, yeah. And there's a there's a good value in that, right? Um, God created us to grow. Uh, you know, he, he told us to be perfect, right? So there's elements of growth, right? But it needs to be tempered by something else that Jesus said. He said, whoever loves his life 
loses it. Mm. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And it's so, it's another, it's just one of those great one-liners of Jesus. Like you, like, like you're finding your life by you're doing all these things and you're, you know, figuring out I'm going to get into this college and I'm going to have this job and I want to get this pay grade. I'm going to find this, this husband, this wife, and I'm going to have all these, we're going to do vacation here and then da, 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 and I have to control all these things and put all the pieces together and da, 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 da. And it's like, oh, on me, 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 responsibility, my goals, da, 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 da. So much stress. And it all depends on you. <laughs> and you're at the center, which is a shame. It's a shaky foundation. So True. shaky, and and hopefully, so, hopefully sooner rather than later, that foundation will will blow up, so that we can realize. <laughs> or like a little crack, and then you'll notice it in, in yeah, time. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, yeah, hopefully, yeah, little by little, <laughs> we'll see. God, God's usually pretty pedagogical with these things, right? Um, but hopefully, he'll he'll help us to realize, as I know he's helped me realize in my vocation that yeah, you know, your foundation can't be all these goals that you might have as a as a priest, like or or the, or the image that you. That you know, you maybe you want other people to have of you as a priest. Oh, this priest is so good. He's so good at confession, and he's so, you know, he's very close. Or no, no, no. Like, like, or how other people perceive you, or or like the talents you have, or like how am I gonna, or my future as a, as an apostle. Like I'm just thinking of myself. You know, like as a future. Like what is your apostolate? Where am I gonna be assigned? Like what? what how could I? Where am I gonna be the happiest? What should I propose to mm-hmm. my superiors so that I could be totally like? Well, <laughs> you know, there's a, there are good elements there, but there are also um, elements that are bad, right? We have to, the logic is not not um, finding our lives. Our, the logic is losing your life. Yes. And I don't know, there's a lot of food for thought there. Yes, and and that happiness is a choice is another really interesting thing that, I don't know if you've experienced it with Andrew, but just like when we think, oh, I'd, I'd be happy, I'll be happy when exams are over. I'll be happy when mm. my mission comes and I'm, I'm sent to this exotic <laughs> I've actually never been to Mexico, so I'm really excited. That's so cool. Or I'll be happy, yeah, when I'm congratulated for this or I accomplish that. But you can be happy right now in this moment. And I was actually thinking about it just today in prayer. Like, what do I need to be happy just to know that I'm loved? I think that's like bottom line. We're all made to belong to someone, to be like feel like we belong, to be loved, to be appreciated for who we are. Mm-hmm. And we already are appreciated for who we are by God. But deep down, like I said, that from Psalm 139, if you haven't read it, or if you have read it, just read it again because it's mm-hmm. so beautiful, um, how God knows us profoundly. And so if I already belong, I have a home which is in heaven, I have a home which is in God's embrace, then I just, right now I can just choose to make that the center of my life and then I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. But happiness is a choice. It's not something that like, okay, when all the factors around me fall into place, mm-hmm. then Finally. Jackpot, like uh-huh. joy and just beaming mm-hmm. and happy face emojis all the time. Like, <laughs> no, because you can even be happy. Like We've talked about this in a couple episodes, the Good Friday episode, I think especially. It was like, you can be happy in the midst of suffering. And Jesus was joyful on the cross. And like, what? But that's true. Because he loved. Mm-hmm. And he chose to die for yeah. uh, to save us. And since we're the, the pearl of his eye, wherever that line is. Apple. Apple, Apple design, yeah. or the pearl of your pearl of great price. That's another parable. <laughs> <laughs> but you, we're, we're you guys his, get it. <laughs> yeah, you get, I think you get it. We're we're the thing that's most precious to him, yeah. Jesus, and so he would do anything, and he'd be happy doing anything if it means that we will be saved. So, Man. happiness is a choice. And he and he was. I just love thinking about what he was like as a as a as a person, as a divine person. Like he. He's the one who suffered the most, right? Because he, not only thinking of the cross, right? Obviously, he suffered the most there. 
but like because he was God and man, like all of his human, his whole human nature, like the 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 qualities that he had as a human being, were were just so well developed, and so, and the fact that he was God, no, having a full knowledge of what's good and what's evil in the world, and 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 being God himself, he's so he has he's the most sensitive person ever, and so he must have suffered when he saw people like, like going down the bad path or. or or people who are far from God, or, or people using God's name in vain, like, like I must have just offended him so much. Not, not in the sense of like, oh, you're hurting me, but like, this person is like, is not going to be reach the potential that that, that I yeah. that I created them for. Yes, right. And so I just, but I just love thinking about how Jesus, um, being able to 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 be so sensitive to pain because he was God and 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 etc. He was also the most joyful person ever. I mean, he. I mean, he said to the disciples at the Last Supper, "You know, I've told you all these things so that my joy might may be in you, and your joy may be complete." And then he, and then he talks about. It's so beautiful. I love this line. It's John sixteen, uh, I think it's verse twenty. He's talking about, um, a, a, you know, when a woman is pregnant um, and she's about to give birth to a child, you know, she's in pain, right? It's really difficult. But once she's given birth, like she totally forgets about her pain because a new child has been born, and she's so happy. And in the same way. You know, you're going to suffer. It's going to be tough. You know, virus, uh, racism, um, so much angst in our society, people worrying, you know, uncertainty about the future, you know, your personal plans. But I'm going to see you again, and your hearts are going to rejoice. And, and he, so he just, he just, he was so joyful. And he, even though he had to suffer so much, I, I, I don't know, there's so much there to think about. Yes, yeah. The, d- the deep joy is what... Christ promises us not like the superficial just moment to moment I feel full of glee yeah <laughs> but a deep a deep joy yes and that's biting that me all the time and again it's yeah it's choosing to put him at the center to imitate his virtues to yeah to ask yourself to like take pick up the gospel and let those phrases your favorite phrases let them really impact you in your life and say okay well how does this affect me today how does that apply to me today and I was thinking too what Brother Andrew said about the Saint Ignatius uh, ex- exercise and during the spiritual exercise of this meditation. That could be a good way to distill your soul mm-hmm. as you're listening to this episode or right after you listen to this episode. Okay, um, what has been most just like at the end of your life, you look back and like there be certain things that were really meaningful for you, and other ones that maybe in the moment were really important for you, like your job, your accomplishments. That at the end of your life, you're just like, who cares? Yeah. Why did I worry so much about? Yeah. a bigger paycheck when i'm now i'm at the, my last moments think yeah. ask yourself now okay what has been most what are the most the top three most meaningful moments for me this year yeah like just for a parent maybe it's just like that moment you have with one of your child or your kids there's that deep moment or with your spouse for a college student maybe it was uh i don't know a conversation that was really enlightening or a treat you went on i don't know whatever it is but then like looking forward so okay, well, what can I do, Kwe? If that was what's most meaningful for me, do I really want to spend this next year again? Go back to the gr- on mm-hmm. the grind and you're worrying again about yeah all these things that in the end are not that meaningful. Mm-hmm. Whereas Christ wants our joy to be complete. He wants our lives to be full of that meaning, that deeper joy that He wants to give us. Yeah. So folks, when you're when you go to the beach this summer, or when you go to the mountains, or wherever you're going to go on vacation, if you're if, you know if you're maybe some of you won't be able to go on vacation because of certain situations but you know if you are blessed and you have that time to take some time off don't just 
don't only give time to your bodies to rest. Don't only relax, you know, laying on the beach. Whenever, that's, that's a lot of fun. We love doing that. I love doing that. I can't wait. I'm about to go on vacation. I'm going to do some of that myself. But we have to give rest to our souls as well. We have to give time for that because, because um, as important as our bodies are, they're going to they're gonna corrupt eventually, and they're going to rot. Um, and we're going to be getting a new resurrected body, a glorified body anyways. But our soul <laughs> is going to, it lasts forever. Our soul is incorruptible. And so... <laughs> We want to get, we want our soul to be as shining as possible when we get to that moment where we see God face to face. As shiny, as brilliant, as distilled as possible. And to do that, well, we need to, we need to dedicate time to it, you know? Think of the heavenly things. That's one of my favorite lines from uh, huh. St. Paul. It was like, just fill your time just contemplating the things of heaven. And again, it's hard to do because we all have practical things we need to get done. But at least take some time each day. Mm-hmm. to think about those things uh, think of what is good what is holy what is just what is pure what is i forget the whole uh, that's the from that's from same some what, some letter to the galatians or something maybe galatians or, i don't know i have colossians i don't know i can't remember corinthians corinthians could be ephesians maybe could be philippians what about Timothy? uh philemon, <laughs> philemon. <laughs> uh whatever it, whatever it is um he he proposes or he exhorts he's like Really trying to encourage the people he's writing to, whoever they are. Yeah. To, <laughs> to to us, right? Because yeah, it's the same thing. Like you can worry about your body and like all those things that just kind of come and go, but if you if you really dedicate five minutes, at some daily time, yeah, to think about the heavenly things, and that could be through the gospel of the day, like through the liturgy of the day. It could be through, uh, just even silence, just silence at the end of your day, yeah. and like doing the dunque. Yes. Do the dunque. Do like, the dunque. And folks, don't don't be easy with yourselves, you know, like like oh, like it's you know, I have work and I get up early and I, I have a lot of schoolwork. We're talking about your soul and we're talking about loving God with all your heart. We need to give him some good time. And whenever you really want something, you find time for it. Exactly. So I mean, I understand people have hard situations and and maybe God, you know, God is calling you in your certain situation to like serve other people a lot and sometimes you don't have much time, but but we gotta we gotta find the time for him. We really do. If you listen, if you're hearing Brother Andrew right now and you're kind of getting angry, like how dare Brother Andrew like throw <laughs> down the, the so judgmental. Was that throw down the hatchet? The gauntlet. The gauntlet. Thank you. <laughs> like how dare he do that right now? He doesn't know the situation I'm in. Okay. Another lesson I've learned this year is that God speaks to us through other people. So I'm not saying necessarily that, that I'm for the voice you of God. <laughs> that right there God was speaking to you, but it could be. Maybe. And I know it's happened to me sometimes that like, in prayer, I'm like, I'm waiting for an answer, waiting for an answer. And what comes to me is not like this voice, but I think, well, maybe before like waiting for this heavenly voice to kind of come and fill the chapel where I am, I'm praying and things. Mm. Like, what was it, that homily that I really liked that idea that Father said? Or what was it in that conversation at oh, at lunch, when I was eating lunch and like, it hit me or struck me, it was like, or it hurt. Like, sometimes like we hear things and like, oh yeah. I haven't been doing that and I should be like that kind of, or just you see someone's example of joy or generosity. And like, that is how God speaks a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how God chooses. He chooses like the seven sacraments or instruments that he chooses to bring his grace. He also chooses the little one who needs a cup of cold water to bring us out of our maybe selfishness and to, mm-hmm. to serve. And like, that's how we, he can increase uh, the love in us. Like, there's a lot of ways he does it. He's constantly doing it in every moment. And so, um, yeah, you just remind me of that because Brother Andrew was throwing down the gauntlet there. <laughs> but wait, like, yeah, it's good that he does that. You gotta, sometimes you, 
You know, Jesus doesn't challenge call, yourself. It's our religion is not a religion of the pillow. Ours is a religion of the cross and resurrection. We were not made for comfort. We're made for greatness, which is from Pope Benedict. Yes. So, so folks, distill your soul, or as we sing, distill my soul. <laughs> so, uh, try to do that this month of July. It's gonna it's gonna make your summer, yeah, a whole lot more sizzly. That's right, in a good way. In yeah, a good way. Purified, holy way. So you sizzle, uh, and then you cool down, and then you reap the benefits. Reap all of the benefits. The harvest. The pure gold. Will come. Yes. Amazing. So, Brother Luke, we're ending this episode. It is the last episode that we're physically present with each other, at least for the foreseeable future. Who knows? We'll find out. Yeah, next one might be through Zoom or something. Exactly. So there might be a little lag. Folks, don't get impatient. Harmonies might be tough. Exactly. But you're going to be a deacon in a month. Yes. So... As we end this episode, tell us what you're excited about. Like, what do you what are you thinking? What's oh, going in your What's going through your mind? Well, being a deacon, I'm excited to learn how to be a priest through being a deacon. I think so. I'm going to be a deacon for a whole year in Mexico. Uh, before I go to Mexico, I'm actually going to baptize my nephew. So I'm like really pumped about that, little James, and uh-huh. uh, he'll be he'll become a child of God, and I'll be there to witness it through myself as the minister. As the ordinary minister, as a deacon, you're um, one of the proper ministers to do the sacrament of baptism. And through me and through the uh, the water being poured over his head and the words that will come from my mouth, he will become a child of God. That's amazing. The grace of <laughs> yeah, him becoming a child of God will happen. It will. It's real. And uh, I heard recently from a priest, well, both of us, from Father Vin Fam, who was just ordained. Oh, yes. That I, if we think, we who are in the pews, it's hard to believe sometimes that the Eucharist, that that piece, what looks like a piece of bread in the priest's hands is really Jesus. Father Vin said, well, it's even like, it can be, can be even harder for the priest. Why? <laughs> because we might think like, oh, he look at that holy man up there wearing like this vestment, like this yeah. special thing, like this robe thing. Yeah. He's close to God. You He's know? close to God. So maybe like that is Jesus. But for me, I don't know. But like he and we as future priests, yeah. we know who we are. And I don't have any magical yeah. Uh, powers. <laughs> and so, like, it takes maybe even more faith for the priest. For the, for the newly ordained. Yeah. You know? Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, maybe that maybe that'll be my experience. I don't know. I'm really not sure exactly what to That's expect, good. actually, but, Andrew, you but I am. Any, just, you don't need any expectations. I'm more excited just God to learn, to serve. Like, being a deacon means you're there to serve. Um, I think I'll be the only deacon, if I'm not mistaken, in, that, like, my area where I'll be in Mexico. Okay. So, hopefully, people will. They'll, want f- to they'll flock my... to you for baptism. <laughs> use my deacon power. Father, I've already been baptized, but just baptize me. Yeah, anyways, it's very again. reduced what a deacon can do in comparison to what I'll later be able to do as a priest, but very important. That's and right. so I want to make the most of my one year as a deacon and read the gospel and I can give homilies and I, I can do baptisms and I, I can preach. be present at a, uh, matrimonies. So yeah. um, put me to work. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Remember, folks. Yeah, folks, we don't just do. We dunque. And we distill our souls this summer. Let's do it. Let's do it. Brother Andrew threw down the gauntlet, so. <laughs> you got to do it. Dedicate time, folks. challenge ourselves. No excuses. Okay. Have a great summer. We'll see you next time, and God bless. God bless you.